Well, hello, dummies. We want to welcome you back to another unscripted conversation about God, Christianity, and the messiness of life. Remember, we're a bit rare, reverent, slightly irreverent, and totally irrelevant. Uh, today, we are blessed uh, to have Melanie Hempy with us. She is the executive director uh, and founder of Screen Strong. So uh, she, uh, let me see here. I don't have my glasses on, so I'm going to make this as best I can. She educates parents on the negative consequences of excessive screen use and teaches them how to incorporate healthier alternatives that rebuild relationships between their children, their family, and the real world. I think that's so valuable. Uh, we want to just mention she has a website, and she also has a book, The Screen Strong Solution, and I believe the website is the same thing. Is that correct, Melanie? The Screen Strong yeah, Solution? Screenstrong.com. Okay. No, just Screenstrong.com. And we have all read the book. That's very unusual for us to read anything. But she writes it in such a way that you can, and this is not a knock on the book. This is a compliment to the book. You can read it in one sitting and gain yep. the information that you need to. Uh, and I, this, I took off your website. I just want to read this. It, yep. It's a brief. Yesterday, our kids were dressing up in princess costumes and tracking mud in the house. Today, they are lost in a virtual world obsessed with video games, social media, and smartphones. As a result, kids are getting hurt. They have become more stressed, anxious, and depressed, and families are being pulled apart. But it's not too late to win back your kids, and I would argue to win back your family. Now, Melanie, I have six boys uh, oh. under, under the age of 12. So wow. this is a big topic in our house all the way down to we have a nine-month-old. He probably doesn't really care about screens, but even to our three-year-old uh one bit of screen becomes a whole and so the the reason we brought this topic up is i've had your book on my desk just for me to read but i was at a baseball game uh, a few weeks ago and there was a mother watching her son play now if i used air quotes i would use air quotes around watching her son play yeah. because the entire <laughs> game an hour and a half she was on her phone watching tiktok no and I'm no. thinking, here is your – and she had two other kids with her that were hers as well that were kind of running around playing like you'd expect kids to do. But she was just into the phone. I think she stopped when her son came up to bat, oh. but that was wow. it. And so this just kind of made me aware that we have a real screen problem today. And um, mm -hmm. Christian home, non-Christian home, we all have the same problem. And so yeah. – we just think it would be great, especially as people are thinking about going back to school here in a few months, uh, trying to make their family screen strong. So why don't you just kind of start and tell us how you got into this? I mean, you're a nurse. Uh, yeah. And yet here you are talking to people about screen solutions. Yeah, let me tell you how that happened. And yes, I am a nurse. I graduated from Emory University. I was working in labor and delivery for a long time. So you obviously know a lot about labor and delivery nurses. Well, yes, I do. <laughs> at your house. And um, so what happened was we have four children. And our oldest, um, by the time he was around 12 years old, he got super into um, Game Boy. If you remember the Game Boy, the handheld, you know, um, device back then and um i thought it was fine i thought all my friends told me well you know this is great they're learning eye hand coordination and all these wonderful things and 
So I kind of drank all that Kool-Aid and let him play. And then through middle school, he started um, playing more and more video games on the computer. But again, he had straight A's, so I thought he was okay. And I thought that he was just getting smarter. In fact, I was that mom who thought that kids were actually learning things on computers. <laughs> and I thought he, he was getting better. I thought he was learning code and all sorts of computer languages. And he was going to be a whiz at all this. And Parents do this a lot because we have a blind spot and we think that our kids are so much smarter than we are when it comes to technology because we weren't, you know, raised with it and they were, and we want them to get ahead. So we got into high school and he started quitting all of his sports. He quit all of his interests and his hobbies. He loved to play music and he quit piano. He quit playing tennis. And I was getting frustrated because as they get older, um, it gets worse. And what I know now is that little gamers grow up to be big gamers. I didn't understand that it was such an addictive thing. And from a medical standpoint, I certainly never learned anything about this in nursing school. So he gets through high school. We are so happy for him to go to college because unlike everybody else who's sad their kids are leaving, we are thrilled because we (laughs) were having so many conflicts, right, over his gaming. And he would game every day. He would game till late into the night. We had all these signs and symptoms of problems, but I had no idea that you could be addicted to a video game. That was silliness. I had no concept of that in my head. And um, But I, re- I remember that he would get violent. Sometimes he would throw the controller or he would lash out at one of the other kids. And boy, I thought, you know, and I told him even one day, I said, Adam, I'm going to call 911 if you ever hurt, you know, your sister. And So now when I look back on that, it's so crazy because when you're a parent and you're kind of getting scared of your kid and scared of this habit that they have, that's a warning sign. We should never feel like we need to call 911 if our kids are getting too violent on a video game for crying out loud. But I didn't know. So he went to college. I picked him up after his first year and he got in the car and unbeknownst to me, he had not finished his classes. He got in the car and he said, mom, World of Warcraft did something to me. I've been in bed for a week. I haven't been able to get out. I'm depressed. I mean, he looked horrible. I immediately thought he was on drugs. I, In fact, I asked him, are you on drugs? And he's like, no, it's a video game. Well, I felt terrible. I didn't know what to do. I brought him home, and he went into, like, this withdrawal weird thing. Like, he wouldn't get up and get dressed and start his day. And he just – and then he told me he'd quit, you know, his classes he'd dropped out of school basically he never finished his classes and here we're talking about a straight a kid in the engineering school at a big state school and i was just floored so i started doing a lot of research i went around the country actually i went to different meetings eventually met some neuroscientists and some doctors that were into this and i started studying about what this video game addiction really is and how it affects families and one thing led to another we ended up having a a little get together at our school and I called the counselor and I said, look, I'm, this is what's wrong with Adam all these years. We thought it was, you know, just growing up or being a teenager, but honestly he's been addicted to games probably all through high school. And, um, and she said, well, you know, why don't we have a little meeting for parents? And so we put a little flyer, not even an email. It was just a flyer on the door and we had 120 people show up. Wow. That was how we started. And what, um, can I just talk. ask real quickly, what year was that? That was back in like 2012, okay. 2013. 
And um, so what I did with Adam, because everybody says, well, whatever happened to Adam? Well, what happened was um, because I am such a great detective mom, I knew that we couldn't live with a gamer in our house, you know, that was 19 years old. That just wasn't going to work. <laughs> and um, so I called the Army. And um, the recruiter <laughs> came to the front door, and I stepped out. I'll never forget this day. I stepped out. I shut the door. I looked at this young man. I said, sir, my son loves to play Call of Duty. You're going to go in there, and you're going to recruit him into the Army. <laughs> and he said, yes, ma'am. And he did. And he came in, and is out at my kitchen table, and he didn't take much convinced Adam to join the army. And that was such a blessing for our family. Such an answer to prayer, because at the time there, there weren't the treatment centers, like their treatment centers today. Of course, I didn't know about any of this back then. So um, Adam went into um, 14 weeks of a wonderful di digital detox and it was free and it's called basic training. <laughs> Basic and so for 14 weeks, he was not connected to anything. And as he tells the story, he says, you know, I didn't even wear my own underwear. Like I had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so he went into the army. He actually served five years, went to Iraq. We are so proud of him. He came out two years ago. He finished his degree back at the university where he was, he was able to go back there and on the GI Bill, no less, which was really nice. And he um, finished his college degree. So we're very, very proud of Adam. Um, most stories do not turn out so well, I'll be honest with you, um, that we were very, very blessed. So as a result of that experience, I actually have um, another book that is on Amazon. It's called Will Your Gamers Survive College? And I highly recommend this book. It's just our little story of what happened with Adam. Very, very short, quick read. Um, I've got three books. They're all very short and easy to read because I know parents don't have a lot of time. Um, they're, they're supposed to be at, at baseball games, you know, <laughs> watching their, their kids play. So in this little book, it just explains what happened and what the warning signs were that I missed. And then his whole story of what happened in school and what happened after that. And so if you have boys, especially, um, boys are very drawn to video games. It fills a lot of their voids in their life, their need for this competition and the need for the excitement, the win, the kill, all that. Plus, they like the camaraderie. They, um, they just absolutely love everything about video games. So they're going to be more drawn to that. Now, girls play too, but girls are more drawn to social media and phones. And so after all this happened with Adam, my daughter was now in high school, and we were dealing with the decision of when to get her a smartphone. So we went to lunch. I went to lunch one day. She was almost 16. She had not had a phone yet. Um, she was turning 16. And I thought, well, maybe now is a good time to get her a phone. So I went to lunch one day with some girlfriends, and they all had 16-year-old girls. And they asked me, oh, what are you going to get Melissa for her birthday? And I said, well, I'm really thinking about getting her a smartphone. And boy, did they give it to me. <laughs> and they said, Melanie, this was the worst thing we ever did. The worst thing we ever did was give our teenage daughter a smartphone. She is on social media. She never comes home. All she does is take stupid pictures of everything in the house, including, you know, her food and sticking her tongue out and the dog and us and, you know, 
posting it everywhere. Um, hardly does her homework anymore. She stays up all night and I'm listening to all this and my mom just like deer in the headlights and they're like, look, you're the media mom. You should know better. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, well, Melanie, so, let me, let me ask you a question. So yeah. I've had this conversation with a, a friend of mine and I said, you know, maybe you delay giving them the, you know, the phone and they said, well, kids need social media, to develop their social relationships today with their peers and anybody who's not in social media, they become outcasts. I mean, how, how do you address that to a parent to ease that fear that their kids going to become somehow socially isolated or an outcast because they don't have the social media access? Well, the way we address it is to tell you that it, 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 the absolute opposite is true. It's completely opposite of that. And, and it's all based on science. It's based on real things that are happening in our country. It's based on things that are happening in every home in America. And what, what's happening is that kids are, you're right, they are shifting their social life over to online, you know, um, Instagram and Snapchat and all the social media, but it is not working. They are getting more depressed, they're more stressed, there's more suicide, there's more anxiety. Social media was never designed for kids. It is not, especially not for teenagers. In fact, eighth grade is the worst time that you can introduce social media to your child. It's the time when they're, they're the most um, excited about taking risks. They're seeking novelty. They are unsure about themselves. They have no idea who they are, like they used to know who they were, but then all of a sudden puberty hits, and they're trying to figure out their identity. Social media is like a big garbage dump. And it's like we're, you know, sending our kids to the city dump to go find their friends. This is not a good idea. But I totally understand that concern. And so what happened with my daughter, we decided that she wasn't going to have social media. She got a flip phone and, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> she, she, she did not get a social, you know, she did not get a smartphone. She got a pair of boots actually for her birthday that year. And so I was doing a little experiment because I had already done this experiment with my son. And that experiment didn't work out so well. So I wasn't going to, like, do another experiment on my daughter. My daughter ended up, and I really, really, really believe, as a result of her not diving in to this social platform that you're talking about, she ended up really focusing on her gymnastics. She got a full ride at a D1 school in gymnastics. I do not think that would have happened if she had transferred her life over to social media. Did she have friends? Oh, my goodness. She had so many friends. In fact, she had so many friends because she wasn't on social media. And I know that it's going to be really twisted and people are going to be like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Well, let me tell you, fast forward to my boys. I have twin boys that actually just turned 16 this week. So they have grown up as well without social media. Um, they are very, very social kids. In fact, they are so far ahead of most kids that are on mm -hmm. social media that it, it just kind of blows my mind. And what I mean by that is most kids that are on social media really depend on their social media for all of their social activity. My boys don't. So they have friends that are on social media. They have friends that are not on social media, but I'll tell you something. They have more friends than my son ever had, than my oldest ever had. Every day they have kids calling them to go out and do things. They are constantly busy. They are the most social kids because they're not being handicapped by their phone. They're not being handicapped by social media. This is what, it stunts their development. 
when you're on social media and you're trying to be social on a platform that really isn't designed to meet all your social needs, you crash and you burn. It is a really, really bad idea. Our kids need to be social. That is true. But they need to be social in person. They need to have friends. And even during the, the COVID situation that we're in, we have a, a bed sheet we put up outside with a projector. They show outdoor movies. We have the whole neighborhood of kids coming over here any night. I mean, they call us all the time. Are y'all doing another movie? What are you doing? They have a little group in their neighborhood now, seven boys. And when you have boys, this is so important. It's important for girls too. But for boys to have a village and a tribe to hang out with, it's priceless. And But their tribe is in, in real life. It's not on social media. Social media does not meet their needs. It is a counterfeit. And so what we're raising kids that are not social, they only know how to do TikTok videos and they know how to get on Snapchat and Instagram and whatever, but that's not real. And that doesn't transfer over to now what do you do when you're 16 years old, you got to go get a job and you can't look the guy in the eye because exactly. you're not used to being around people. Right. People are scary. And see, my boys are just opposite. And I'm just doing... I've done it wrong, so I'm I'm able to say this. I'm telling you, I know there's a lot of people listening to this that are just, you know, so frustrated over it, and yet they don't know what to do. And I'm here to tell you, I have made every mistake out there. So I have fixed some things. And this is one thing in our family that we have figured out. We have problems like anybody else. We're family, you know, just like anybody else. But this is one thing that we have figured out. It is not worth it. It doesn't work. It's just super bad idea to give your kids all this stuff and expect them to be healthy. They cannot develop a self-esteem. They cannot develop your values. They can certainly not develop morals on this platform that is offering everything under the sun to them during the stage of their development when they are the most vulnerable. We are giving them the worst that life has to offer. And then we're, we're scratching our head when they have to go to a counselor for social media anxiety or when our boys are getting um, addicted to pornography, which is rampant right now mm -hmm. because of this small little four-inch screen they carry around in their pocket. So, Melanie, how did you reclaim your family? How did you get back on track to, to allow your kids to... I, I know what you said with Adam, you know, he detoxed through, you know, going right. to basic training. Um, how would you... What kind of steps would you say to the family that's entrenched in, you know, their kids having screen media or screen time now? How, right. would, how would you get them back on track and to, to reclaim so, the family? Yeah, to reclaim the family. So this is a really good question. This is what I wrote the, the Screen Strong Solutions about. And there are basic steps that you take um, to get your kids back on track. We have something now called, um, it's a seven-day Screen Strong Challenge, and it's free. And you go to our website, and you can sign up for it. And for seven days, I'm going to send you emails to help you do this. And it's sort of like a detox for seven days. And um, it's ongoing. It starts every Monday. So um, that's a fabulous step to take that we're offering to help parents. But honestly, the, the core of what you've got to do is you've got to change your role, and you are no longer the fun best friend parent and you become a coach for your kids and when you get this mentality that you're their coach and your team is losing and you've you've got to turn things around everything changes 
Um, you do need to get some education. We have a ton of that on our website. It's always good to get the science behind it and what screens are doing to kids' brains and how it's overstimulating their brains and it's shutting down their frontal cortex and it's ramping up their limbic area. The limbic area is the emotion center. This is why our kids are so emotional when they get on these screens. Um, we know their frontal cortex doesn't develop really until the mid-20s. So we've, we've taken away all of these things that develop their frontal cortex, and we have given them screens instead. So you've got to get some of that science. You know, it kind of helps you, just like if you're a baseball coach. It really helps to understand the plays and what the rules are. But then after that, you've got to gather some support. I'll tell you, this is the biggest step. You've got to go find some friends, even if it's only one other family. It's better if it's maybe a couple families, but good luck because it's hard because, you know, it's a hard thing to do what I'm talking about. It's sort of like a diet. And, and most people will have a hard time with diets and they kind of fail after the first week. So right. we're, we are trying to set people up for better success. So if you get a little support group and then you literally have to remove the screens from your house. And I'm not talking about all screens and we are not a screen free home. But we are a video game free home. And our kids do not do social media. I have a family social media account on my device, and we follow some of their balls teams and some of their interests. And if they want to look at that every now and then, they can. But you know what? It's not a big deal. Um, they are not glued to that. So you do get rid of the, the video games. And quite frankly, you've got to, you've got to put their phones on vacation. Um, and I highly recommend a basic phone. There's a couple companies that we recommend on our website that you still can get a phone without the internet. And then you start rebuilding your life skills. And um, the life skills piece is the most important piece to this whole puzzle. Because the reason why kids are getting so addicted to these devices is because parents are not um, structuring their life to do other things. Kids will always, always gravitate toward this low effort, high reward activity. And we as parent coaches have to come in and say, all right, team, this isn't what we're going to do. And we're going to do this instead. And that requires us to spend a lot more time with our kids. So I can honestly say that the benefits are, are so amazing with our younger kids that we have gotten to know them so much better. And, you know, and I feel so bad for my oldest son. And we talked about this. <laughs> you apologize to him. Like, I do. I have to apologize to him because – you know, think about it. When you have six boys in your house, like y'all do, one of y'all, um, if they grow up online and on video games and on their phone and on all this social media stuff, every minute online and doing all this stuff is a minute away from you. So how much are you really willing to trade? Because it's a trade. Everything in life is a trade. In our time especially, it's our most valuable, you know, thing that we have, our right. most valuable asset. And and we're trading that. And so my younger boys, as a result of doing this, and we're not saying no to screens forever. We're delaying them till they get their life skills figured out. And I'm talking about making their lunches for school and doing all their laundry. <laughs> my, my boys have been doing their laundry since fifth grade. They do yard work. And they don't just mow. They pull weeds. They trim. They prune. They plant. They understand how to do that. They clean the bathroom like I clean the bathroom. See, this is what parents think. They're, they're just so weak, right? They're, they're parenting today. I'm sorry. It's, it's, and I was that parent too. So I'm as guilty as, you know, what I'm talking about here. But we have to demand and expect and set that bar higher for our kids. The boys now play, um, I know it sounds crazy, but they play violin. They play the piano. 
and they don't know any difference. They grew up doing this. They don't even know that you're not supposed to play the piano. <laughs> and um, so now what we've done is we've made this incredible investment in their life, and we have just put screens on the back burner. Sure. So, There's always time for screens later. Oh, always. Oh, oh, and let me tell you this. My 80-year-old aunt got an iPad a few years ago, and do you know it only took me about an hour <laughs> to teach her everything she needed to know on that? You an mean hour. she didn't need 15 or 20 years of practice to figure it out? <laughs> no. And that was crazy. It was like blowing my mind. I'm like, oh. So my son spent 7,000 hours playing video games. 7,000 hours. Wow. What can your kids do? Seven thousand hours. I'm guessing they could master the piano, the violin, yep. and have lots yep. of friends. <laughs> so yes. I have a, yep. a quick. So talking about this screen, um, screen strong seven day challenge. Yeah. When I see parents at baseball games sitting in a lobby with their kids and they're both on their phones, my question is: In some households, don't you think? Parents probably have to go through the challenge as well in the sense of giving up their screen time. Or they definitely need to reorganize their screen time. There's no question. Um, there's there's a real slippery slope here, and I'll just throw this out. Um, parent, I've got your back. I've got your back. I'm a parent. I work a lot of my work with this organization, of course, is online. Is that a bad thing? No, it's not. It's a great thing. Technology is awesome. Um, we don't have the same rules for parents that we have for kids. And this is true of everything. We you don't have the same rules around drinking and driving and everything else <laughs> in life either. So I think there's this, I, I, I appreciate exactly what you're saying. And yes, you're exactly right. As a parent, what I had to start doing at three o'clock when they came home from school, I literally had to shut my laptop. I, I couldn't even have it up because I would, oh, an email would come in. Oh, I would get distracted. So I would take the two hours when they got home and I would not have any technology. So there are certain things that you have to do. I remember I had to leave my phone in my car, even when I walked in the house, because otherwise then I'd get all distracted on my phone. So yes, there are things that you have to do. And it's not so much that parents have to totally go cold turkey on all their technology. They can't do that. They're working on their devices. But what you do is you reorganize the time that you spend on it. You spend very, very um, intentional, you know, quality time with your kids. And dinner time is sacred. We have absolutely no screens going on during dinner time. Um, we know all the science around families that eat dinner together and how much better their kids do in life, like projected out all the way through their whole life, kids that have that time with their parents. So that's a great question. However, I am not of the belief that um, that we're on equal terms with our kids, if that makes sense. Yeah, and There's I guess I was, in that instance, yeah. I was thinking maybe we have gamers who now have kids. Oh, my God. They oh, think that their kids are so, yeah. so yeah. So but I think you've answered that is that we have to, if, if we're gaming and that's taking our entire evening and through dinner time, or we yeah. can't watch the kids cause I want to game. It's my only day off. Then we probably have to prioritize. Right. Um, and so what I want to say about that, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, I'm talking about work related stuff and, and, and good stuff. Let me tell you, if your dad and you're a gamer, and I know, and I have, I have young moms that come to me all the time in tears because their husbands are gaming and they have new babies at the house, and 
it is so sad. And I'm just saying that in gaming specifically, if you're a dad and your kids and your boys especially are watching you game, you have a long road ahead of you, a long road, because you are putting a priority on something that used to be like sort of okay, like Pac-Man and some of those games, you know, back when my brother and I were growing up. But games today are extremely immersive. It is like the difference in drinking Kool-Aid and hard liquor. It is such a different animal. And so you have to seriously, if, if I, if you were sitting here right in front of me and we were talking about this, I would say, do not game with your kids. Do not let them even see that you're gaming. If you want a game, you game after they go to bed, and then you work that out with your wife. I, I don't even <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so but, but I want to ask this before. Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. Let me just, it's, like, it's like saying, okay, son, I'm smoking pot over here, but you're not ever going to smoke pot. Well, that doesn't make sense. And people do that as well, I mean, unfortunately. Absolutely. So Absolutely. this is because this has happened to us in real life. So um, – my son plays baseball. One of his kids' friends needed to spend the weekend with us for a tournament because his dad couldn't get him to the games. So he did this two weekends in a row. The first weekend, without my knowledge, he brought – I guess you can transport these games nowadays and plug them into a TV and play them. Yep. So yep. my boys told me that at 2 o'clock in the morning, that's what he was doing. So the that's very right. next weekend, he was staying at our house, and I, I, I told his dad, I said, he's always welcome – but I said, he can't bring his video game to our house. Mm -hmm. I said, we don't mm -hmm. do video mm -hmm. games. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, this is what happened. So that weekend, now my son is strong enough to handle it, but I just, it's out there. He told the entire team, oh, don't ever stay at JoJo's house because his parents won't let you bring their video games. So mm -hmm. he came home and he said, well, that's what he told everybody. And I said, what's mm -hmm. it matter? I said, don't worry about what he tells people. I said, because, again, this is a kid who I think is probably a little bit immersed into the world of video games at 11 years old. Right. And If he's carrying his game with him on a sleepover, he has a big problem. That's a big problem. That's not even just a little bit immersed. He is on the scale. He is addicted. That's, that he, well, I should say dependent. We will use that term. It makes parents feel a little bit better. But when there's that <laughs> When, it's, when he's that dependent that he has to take it on a sleepover, that's a huge red flag, and it's a warning sign. And um, you're, you're right on. First of all, um, I, I love that if you're, you're saying you're not allowing video games. That's awesome. You're way, way, way ahead of the curve of most people. When we had this situation happen in our family, and it will and it does because every child has some sort of dependency, it seems, these days, especially 14-year-old boys, mm. on um, their video game. Um, I tell new families that are new to our neighborhood or new to my uh, kids, you know, friend groups and all that stuff, that my kids are allergic to porn and they're allergic to video games. And so we, we are, they're not allowed, you know, we don't allow that. And, and then I say, you know, my oldest, you know, crash and burn. And so their eyes usually pop open and they're, they're like, how do you do that? How do you not play video games? And the parents are usually extremely supportive. And um, I would definitely, of course, as outspoken as I am now, because we've been burned so badly by this issue, um, and my boys both play baseball all year round, um, you know, we know how this team stuff works, and everybody on our team knows that we don't do video games. Um, the, the other players still do, but none of that happens at our house. But the way we cured it for the sleepovers, which is kind of what 
a uh, little bit about what you're talking about. First of all, if you have a, a kid coming to your house, then you just tell the family, these are our rules. Um, and, you know, if they don't want to stay, that's fine. They can stay somewhere else, right? But right. that's the rule under your roof. So you talk to the parents about that. When it's a sleepover, because this is a huge question, um, you know, for sleepovers. And so the way we handle sleepovers, um, we do what we call halfovers. So when my kids get invited to a party, a sleepover, which they do, they get invited to so many that we can't even go to all of them. And I am, I'm not kidding. It's, uh, it's astounding what has happened when you have a kid that's on social media. They become like the most popular kid in town because people are just wanting to hang out with them because they can actually talk and do things and they fish and they play frisbee and they know how to do all these things. So I'm just learning all this. Um, but what we do is we say, yes, they can come, but I'm picking them up at 10 or, you know, 10, 15, I'm picking them up. And that works beautifully. In fact, I just put a blog about this on my website last week about sleepovers for the summer. Yeah, real um, quickly, because I saw that. We'd like to have you back at some point because that's a huge issue. Not issue, but a concern in our family is so many people just have sleepovers and you don't necessarily know what's going on or what's allowed at someone else's house. So at right. some point, we'd like to have you back and talk a little yeah. bit about that because as Christian parents – Right. You go to someone's house if you don't know, even if they're Christian, you still don't know what their Oh no, that doesn't matter. You are hundred percent you are hundred percent responsible for what your kids see. Yes. Okay, first of all get that figured out. You're a hundred percent, not your kid. You will never depend on your kid to be able to fight that battle. You have to fight the battle. You're a hundred percent. So knowing that, it is your job to think ahead and anticipate what might happen. And in this day and age, the amount of pornography that is seen at, in first grade, first grade is the, the first age for um, first-time porn viewing now, which is wow. horrible. And the majority of that is at somebody's house at a sleepover situation where there's no parents. The other problem that you get is you get other friends coming over, you get other neighbors coming over, you get siblings, you get older siblings that are hanging out and the devices are and stuff are all over and then you get the whole group watching the older sibling play a video game which is could be easily laced with you know adult content so that's where we drew the line we set the bar really high and once again because we have been burned so badly by this issue it's it's a no-brainer for me and that's why i want to encourage parents out there to follow their gut on this you are not being overprotective. You are not being helicoptering. You are not being overcontrolling at all. In fact, it's just the opposite. Helicopter parents are the ones that are giving their kids all these devices so they can track their kids and so they can get in their business and know everything they're doing. What you're doing is you're being a really good coach. And you've got to look at your kids as you've got a little team here. And what am I going to do to get my team to the championship? That is your job is to train them. And we have been... And I feel like God has just given me so much insight in this area because of all the coaches that we've had in our lives, because of my daughter's um, being, you know, my daughter's an athlete. And so I have watched very carefully how this works. And that's why we use this analogy and it works so well, because a good coach can change a child's life and they can get the potential from that kid unlike anything you've ever seen. And that is our job as parents is to get as much potential out of our kids and, and not fail like I did with my oldest, bless his heart. I feel terrible. Um, and, I, and I don't beat myself up all the time. It is what it is. And, 
and, and we've redeemed the story and God has certainly used it to bless many, many families. But when you come to our site, when you read our stuff, you are going to get the, the best stuff around um, setting that high bar and keeping those standards high. It is very difficult to do and not everybody can do it. But I will tell you that you will win every time. You will not lose when you set the bar higher than what culture has it set for us right well, now. Well said. We want to thank you. This time has just flown by. I mean, there's. Well, no. <laughs> I have so many questions on this sheet that we didn't get to. So we, again, as we're getting ready to go back to school in August, we may call you again because you know parents struggle with all of those issues. Um, but I just want to ask you, just quickly, for someone that's listening and they're wondering. So when we're talking about screen times, is there, and we only have like a minute, so maybe it's a yes or no. When you have small children, is it okay to sit down and watch a Disney movie with them? Or are you saying don't do that at all? No, no, no. Okay. Disney movies, family movies, all that is just fine. When we talk about screen time, we're talking about unnecessary time, uh, leisure screens for kids. When it's a family movie night, absolutely. We watch a lot of movies and documentaries and sports movies and inspirational movies and all that is awesome. Okay. And you can certainly Perfect. use screens. It's not the screen itself. It is the actual content. And what and see, movies, you know, they're not as addictive because, you know, a movie has a stopping point. And this is a really sure. good point to end on. Your kids should not be on screens that don't have natural stopping points. This is earth shattering okay when you think about that games don't have natural stopping points social media doesn't have that you know youtube nothing has natural stopping points when there's a stoppage cue like a movie a disney movie or whatever you're watching you get you start you watch and it's stopped and it's over and you get up and you're done it's done now you could watch another movie sure but that but... movie's done so the rule of thumb is Never allow, and I and I say never, but you know I'm not. I mean I'm realistic. People are going to do whatever, but the rule of thumb is not to allow screens that, that don't have natural stopping cues. Well, that wipes out all of social media. That wipes out all that stupid, you know, YouTube surfing. And let me just say in the last second here that I was just in a documentary, and it's called Screened Out. Screened Out. You can um, you can watch that. It's a fascinating. It's only an hour and ten minute documentary. Watch that with your kids. Hmm. It's all about the persuasive design and what happens and why screens are so addictive. So that's a, another recommendation. Okay, but, yeah, and that is we're not against screens. I like the way you just summed this whole show up into just things that don't have ending points. Yes. Don't use them with your kids. Um, yes. And I would just like to encourage people if if you're dealing with this, and most people are that have children. Yes. I was able to get a hold of Melanie and the people that work with her, Olivia and the group, yeah. very easily, just through the yeah. website. And so if people want to reach out to you, I just want to encourage them to do that because I know that someone's going to respond to them and give Absolutely. them the help we have that a really they good, need. We have a, little good, a real good group on, on Facebook for parents where I'm on there all the time. You can email me. You can get on that group. Also, since the COVID, I'm, I used to do all these live events all the time. If you want me to do a webinar for your church group, for your Sunday school, for your um, neighborhood group, whatever, let's talk about that. I can certainly do that. And we have a little mini course online that you can also take. In about a month, we're going to have um, a, a full course online, a, an actual videotape of one of my workshops, which is an all-day workshop. So be on the lookout for all that. But I can certainly help um, anybody out there. I'm here to help. I will email you back. It's Melanie at 
greenstrong.com. Um, anything, I'll help anybody. And like I said, we'll be in touch because we want to talk about yeah. maybe a seminar here at the church because, yeah. again, it's something we're all dealing with. Whether we have them I in our house, you. you go to a baseball game, the kids have them. The yeah. other kids have yeah. them. The parents have them. So that is – It's universal. It's a universal yes. problem. It's the biggest parenting problem today. If you're having problems with this, don't feel bad. Everybody's having problems. But we have the answer. I have the answer. I 100% have the answer. <laughs> that is quite simple. an endorsement. <laughs> That's and, right. And I believe you. We've looked at the book. I believe you. I just want to thank you uh, for all the yeah. dummies here. We just want to thank that you was- for taking that time. And people, uh, dummies, be listening because we'll have Melanie back. And y'all yeah. be screen strong and faithful <laughs> out there this week. And we'll talk to y'all soon. Bye.